Well, hello, People's Church. You all doing good today? It is good to see you. It's good to be back. My family and I, we went to Nebraska for a little time there and got to see Tiffany's family. And they are out in the country. So you got a lot of social distancing out in the country. Matter of fact, they're getting ready for the last days because they got a garden out there. I mean, the garden's got potatoes and tomatoes and green beans and all kinds of stuff in the garden. And you know, your pastor, my got soft hands. So I just watched my father-in-law work in the garden, prayed for him and prayed for him. <laughs> hey, I want to welcome all of our campuses. It's good to have everybody at locations. I know a lot of people are joining us online and we just Welcome all of you and welcome Midwest City and welcome Indianapolis. Ladies at Mabel Bassett, love you, love you, love you. Welcome all you ladies. Our Northwest Campus, I know you're either worshiping online or at Midwest City or Oklahoma City. Have some good news for you. Uh, we are targeting August the 16th. Things are moving really, really well at the campus of getting the fire and the walls and the flooding and all of that fixed. And so we're anticipating moving back in on August the 16th. We'll keep you updated. So right around when school starts, we'll have the Northwest campus opened up ready to reach more people for Jesus. And I got a word from God. I really believe that I got a word from God for people's lives as we continue this series, Last Days, Last Days. And some of my favorite messages are coming up. I, I usually leave my favorite messages towards the end of the series. Like in this series, we're going to talk about hell. What's it going to be like? And so I think that's going to be a very important message. We're going to talk about heaven. I, come on, I can't wait for heaven, church. Come on, I just can't wait for heaven. We're going to talk about heaven. We're going to talk about judgment day. So we got some really pivotal messages coming up in this series that I am excited about. And I wonder if you're like your pastor. I love a good comeback story. You know, I love stories when people make an incredible comeback. And you can look throughout all kinds of arenas of life and facets of life and see people who have made comebacks. And some of my favorite are sports comebacks. I want to share with you three sports comeback stories. You know, George Foreman was a, a boxer and, 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 and he was a dominant boxer. And in 1974, George Foreman defeated Joe Frazier and won the heavyweight championship of the world. And soon later, he retired. And then 10 years later, George made a comeback at the age of 45. He fought Michael Moore, 45 years old. I mean, he, he, he's fighting for the heavyweight championship of the world. People think he's washed up. He's 45. His best days are behind him. But he defeated Michael Moore, who was 26 years old, 35 and old record. And George Foreman won the fight. And won the heavyweight championship of the world 45 years old that's how old I am I'm 45 45 is the new 25 <laughs> George Foreman a comeback story some of you may not be familiar with Be uh, uh, Bethany Hamilton because surfing is not real popular around here but th this young surfer was attacked by a shark and lost one of her arms and most people thought that this would be in her career. It was a career-ending 
injury, but Hamilton underwent surgery and returned to the water with just one arm. And shortly after she returned, this young surfer claimed her first national title and turned pro full time. It was a comeback story. I love comeback stories. Anybody remember when Michael Jordan abruptly retired from basketball? I just knew Jesus was coming back then. I'm like, man, he had just won three championships in a row, and then he retired and says, I'm going to now go play baseball. But short, shortly after that, he decided to come back to basketball, and he came back by announcing these two words. Anybody remember those two words? Anybody? And put it in the chat line. Anybody remember? He, two words. I'm back. That's what he said. I'm back were the two words he announced. And then after his comeback, he went on to win three more NBA championships. I love a good comeback story. But can I tell you, church, the greatest comeback ever hasn't happened yet. It hasn't. It's still coming. It's coming. I want to talk to you today about the second coming of Jesus Christ. He's going to announce these two words really soon. I'm back. And I cannot wait for Jesus to come back. A couple of weeks ago, I talked to you about the rapture of the church. And many people, many people, even myself, I can, I can find myself every once in a while finding myself confused about the difference between the rapture and the second coming of Christ. You see, these two events are, are easily confused because they're similar. And yet, when you study the Bible, there are very important differences. So what I want to do at the beginning of this message, I want to help you. Listen, can I teach you for a few minutes? I want to just kind of teach you your Bible so you can better understand what your Bible says, not only for yourself, but that you can help others, that you can equip others, that you can disciple others. So let me give you two major differences between the rapture and the second coming of Christ. They're different. The rapture and the second coming of Christ. The first difference is this. The rapture happens before the tribulation. And the second coming of Christ happens after the tribulation. Now, if you're here and you have a different point of view, you're, you're, pre, you're, you're mid-trib or you're post-tribulation, uh, listen, that's great with me. Uh, that, that's not a dividing issue here at People's Church. So if you're mid-trib or post-trib, God bless you. Uh, may God give you your faith, but I hope he give me, give, give me my faith too. Pre-trib, praise the Lord. <laughs> but I lean towards pre-trib. And so let me just quickly tell you about the tribulation, just give you a quick definition of what the tribulation period is if you miss some of the series. The tribulation is a future seven-year period of judgment. Some people believe, are we in the tribulation already? No, no, no. We're not in the tribulation at this juncture. The tribulation will be the most horrific time on the earth. And I talked to you about the tribulation a little bit in message number two of this series. I also talked to you about an entire message on the rapture in this series. So be sure to go back and to listen to those messages. But the rapture will happen before the seven-year tribulation, the seven-year judgment period. And you see this in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 9. For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, 
but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. So God did not appoint Christians to go through the wrath of the tribulation. So understand this. This is a very key difference between the rapture and the tribulation. Or excuse me, the rapture and the second coming. After the rapture, when God takes the church away and then there's a seven-year tribulation, People can still give their life to Christ after the rapture. People can still be born again. They can be saved after, after the rapture of the church. You see this in Revelation chapter 7 and verse 14. I answered, sir, you know, and he said, these are they who, who have come out of or who were saved out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the lamb. So people will be saved after the rapture of the church. Now the second coming will will happen at the end of the tribulation period. Now notice this distinction. At the end of the tribulation period and after the second coming, no one can give their life to Christ. No one can then be born again. No one can be saved after the second coming of Christ. Revelation chapter 22 and verse 12 says this, look, I am coming soon. I'm back. The second coming. My reward is with me and I will give to each person according to what they have done. The second coming is after the seven year tribulation. People will not be saved after the second coming, when Jesus comes a second time, we're going to talk a little bit more about this in this message. He is coming to judge people by how they live their life on the earth. He says, I will give to each person according to what they have done. Let me give you a second major difference between the rapture of the church and the second coming. Come on, right online. Somebody say, teach pastor. Come on in the building. Somebody say, teach pastor. Yeah, I want, let me, I want to help us today. During the rapture, number two, during the rapture, we meet Jesus in the air. But during the second coming, coming, we return to earth with Jesus. It's an amazing distinction. Let me show you the rapture here. First Thessalonians chapter four, verse 16 says, for the Lord himself will come down from heaven. Now, I want you to notice Jesus never touches the earth. He comes down from heaven. This is the rapture. With a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord. Notice this, to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. So the the, the rapture, we Christians meet the Lord in the clouds. And Jesus never comes to the earth. He only comes halfway. But during the second coming of Christ, Christians who have been raptured come back with Jesus during the second coming. And Jesus comes all the way back to earth and he brings us with him. Let me show you this in Revelation chapter 19 and verse number 14 says the armies of heaven were following him. This is the second coming riding on white horses and dressed in fine linen, white and clean. So Christians who were raptured are the armies of heaven coming back to earth with Jesus during his second coming. And I, I taught you this when Jesus comes back during the second coming, he, he wins the battle of Armageddon. And then the Bible says there's going to be the marriage supper 
of the Lamb. And we're going to have this incredible meal with Jesus. And then there's going to be a thousand-year reign. There's going to be this, it's called the millennial reign of Christ. A thousand years we're going to spend with Christ on earth before we really enter into the full just glory of eternity. What I love doing as your pastor is taking complicated subjects and teaching it to you in like six and a half minutes. <laughs> but I, want, I wanted to help you with that just re really quickly. Here, here's where I want to really spend the balance of my time today. Now that we got just a, a brief understanding of some of the differences between the rapture of the church and then the second coming of Christ, I want to dive deeper into the second coming and answer a couple of very critical and pivotal questions about the second coming of Christ. Why is Jesus coming back a second time? What's the big deal about it? Let me give you two reasons why he's coming a second time. Number one is this. He's coming to judge sin. He's coming to judge sin. The best comparison I can give you is this. When Jesus came to earth the first time, when he was born through a virgin named Mary, he came to take away our sins. First John chapter three and verse five, you know that he appeared in order to take away sins and in him there is no sin. But when Jesus comes back a second time, he's coming to judge sin. Psalm chapter 110 verse 6 says he will judge the nations heaping up the dead and crushing the rulers of the whole earth. So the first time he came, he came to take away sins. The second time he comes, he will come to judge sin of the sin of everyone on the earth. Jesus came the first time to seek the lost. He will come a second time to judge the lost. And let's look at how Jesus is coming to earth a second time. And I want us to kind of get what the Bible says about what it's going to look like when Jesus comes back the second time to judge the earth. And the first thing I want you to see according to scripture is he's coming from the sky and every eye will see him. He's coming from the sky and every eye will see him. You see, when Jesus came the first time, when he came and he was born, he came unnoticed. His parents could not even find a hotel room to find to have baby Jesus' birth. Jesus was born in a barn, in a stable, in a manger, in the tiny town of Bethlehem. Most of the world had no clue that the Savior of the world was born. He came unnoticed. But when Jesus comes back a second time, he will come straight from the sky and every eye will see Jesus when he comes. Everybody will see Jesus. Matthew 24 and verse 30 says, at that time, the sign of the son of man will appear in the sky and all the nations of the earth will mourn. They will see the son of man coming on the clouds of the sky with power and great glory. Revelation describes it like this in chapter one and verse seven. Behold, he is coming with the clouds and every eye 
will see him. Even those who pierced him and all the tribes of the earth will well on account of him. And what a sight this will be. This is good news for Christians. Jesus is coming from the sky and everyone on earth will see him. Jesus is that amazing. He's that awesome. He's that powerful. He's that magnificent. I cannot wait to come back with Jesus as he comes back a second time. I'm going to come back with Jesus with you and I'm going to have my popcorn with butter and salt. I'm going to have my Skittles. Come on, who else likes buttered popcorn and Skittles in the movies? Come on, somebody. It's going, to be, it's going to be an amazing day when Jesus comes the second time. He's coming from the sky and every eye will see him. I want you to notice a second thing about the second coming of Christ. He's coming on a white horse. We're talking about this whole he's coming to judge sin. Scripture says in Revelation chapter 19, verse 11, I saw heaven standing open and there before me was a white horse whose rider is called Faithful and true with justice he judges and wages war the the white horse refers to purity and victory. It depicts the holy and pure power that Jesus has to overcome evil with good. I want you to understand when Jesus comes back a second time, he's coming to bring perfect justice. All the wrongs will be made right. All crime will be brought to an end. All the cheating, lies, and scams will be exposed and corrected. The drugs that ruin people's minds will be eliminated. All the hatred, racism, bigotry, and injustice among mankind will cease. The Bible says it's his rider. A rider is faithful and true. When it says faithful and true is the rider, it's referring referring to everyone will be judged honestly and rightfully. Honestly and rightfully. You see, in our world today, there are wrong judgments. People are falsely accused. There are some in prison and they never committed the crime. There are mistakes by judges and juries. But there will be no mistakes when Jesus judges humanity. He will execute perfect justice. It will be faithful and true. His judgments will be right and fair and just. He knows all. He sees all. Nobody will be able to make excuse or believe God is unfair. No, it is faithful. He is true. He is just. He is honest. He is righteous. He is fair. There's a third thing I want you to see about the judgment when Jesus comes, and that is this. He's coming with a sword. He's coming with a sword. Oh, man, if you are not on social media, you need to get on it because I, I was doing some stuff last night, but uh, you, need to get, you need to follow me if you don't, and you need to also get the People's Church email. I send out an email almost every single week to the church. You need to be reading that email. I got good stuff in that email every week. But, hey, I'm going to talk to you about this sword in a minute. He's coming with a sword. This is important to understand. When Jesus came the first time, he was pierced with a sword, with a spear in his side. He was hung on a cross with with, with nails in his feet and in his hands. But when Jesus comes a second time, he's not going to be pierced with a sword. He's coming with a sword to judge those remaining on earth. 
Revelations chapter 19, Revelation 19 verse 15 says, coming out of his mouth is a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter. He treads the wine presses of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty. So understand this, the sword coming out of Jesus' mouth is the word of God. If you're new to Bible study, if you're new to looking at the word of God and studying God's word, the sword in the Bible represents the word of God. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 17 says, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. So, so when Jesus comes a second time, every person and nation will be judged by the word of God. When I was growing up and going to school, I hated pop quizzes. I, I, I just never liked them. I thank God for all of our educators. We've got some wonderful educators and teachers and professors that attend our church. And I'm so grateful for all that you do. But I never liked pop quizzes. Got on my nerves because I wasn't good at the regular quizzes. Why are you going to pop one on me? You know what I'm saying? I can't, I can't get the ones that I know about right. Talking about you going, it's a pop quiz. Why are you popping a quiz on me? Tell me about I made a 17 on the ACT, church. Come on, pray for your pastor. I mean, if you, somebody says, I can't make it. Well, I made a 17 on the ACT, and I'm from Wewoka, and I made it. Come on, thank God for his grace. <laughs> so... I made a 17 on the ACT. You talk about you're going to give me a pop quiz. Don't pop. I, I studied for the ACT and made a 17. Why are you going to pop the quiz on me? And then you got teachers talking about, like when I was growing up, they would say, you know what? It's that we're going to have an end of the semester test. What's it going to be on? Over the whole semester. What? The whole semester? We read eight books. The whole semester's months. I didn't take notes like that. The whole, so come on, just narrow it down a little bit. Which part of the semester? What, you know what you're going to have on it. What, what's going to be? No, it's over the whole semester. you guessing what it's going to be. Hated it. But I thank God. I've got good news. Jesus is not going to give us a pop quiz on what he's going to judge us on. He clearly lets us know, I'm going to come back and I'm going to judge you on my word. I'm going to judge you. Did you give your life to me? Did you surrender your life to me? And did you live by my word? I'm going to judge you on the word of God. There's not going to be a pop quiz. You know the answers. Did you live by my word? I'm not going to judge you on the opinions of people. I'm not going to judge you on what's popular in culture. I'm not going to judge you by social media. I'm not going to judge you by your own thoughts, by your own standards, by your own ideas, by your own ideologies, by your own desires. No, I'm going to judge you by my word. We got to be people of the word. We got to be people of the Bible. We got to be people of the book because this is what he's going to judge us by. His word. He's coming with a sword to judge the nations. He came the first time to take away sin. He's coming a second time to judge sin. Let, let's look at a second reason he's coming back a second time. Number two is this. He's coming to reign. I love this. He's coming to reign. Jesus is coming a second time to rule and to reign over the entire earth. Revelation 19 verse 16 says, on his robe... And on his thigh, he has his name written, King of Kings 
and Lord of Lords, and it's not a tattoo. Come on, somebody. It's the real deal. He is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. He's the King of history. He's the King of life. He's the King of ages. He's the King of human history. He's the King everywhere. He's the King over your breath. He's the King over your sight. He's the King over your speech. He's the King over your hearing. He's the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. He's coming to rule and to reign. You see, the first time Jesus came to earth, understand this, the first time Jesus came to earth, he came alone. He was born through this virgin named Mary. And when Jesus came the first time, he started building his kingdom. He came the first time. He went to the temple as a little boy, and mom and daddy forgot him. He was teaching at the temple, just trying to build his kingdom. And at the age of 30, he picked, he picked 12 disciples, and he started building his kingdom. At the age of 33, he died on the cross, and he rose again, and he went back to the Father, the right hand of the Father. He sent back the Holy Spirit upon his people. He left his disciples here, and he's been building his church. When he came the first time, he came to build his church. But the second time he comes, he's coming back to rule and to reign over all of the earth. He's coming back a second time and we're coming back with him. The Bible says in Jude chapter 1 and verse 14 and 15, Enoch, the seventh from Adam, prophesied about them. See, the Lord is coming with thousands of upon thousands, upon thousands, upon thousands of his holy ones, that's you and me, to, ju to judge everyone and to convict all of them of all the ungodly acts that they, they have committed in their ungodliness and all of the defiant words ungodly sinners have spoken against him. Listen, we are coming back with Christ to rule and to reign. Some of you never heard this before. Let me teach this to you right now. Revelation chapter 5 and verse 10 says this. You have made them to be a kingdom. That's you and me. Every Christian. Listen to your pastor right now. Every Christian. You have made them to be a kingdom and priest to serve our God. For, and they will reign on the earth. When Jesus comes back a second time to the earth, we are going to rule and reign with Christ forever and ever. The second coming of Christ will be the greatest comeback that mankind has ever seen. As Jesus comes back and he's going to rule and he's going to reign and he's going to give you and I assignments. I'm going to talk to you a little bit about this a little later in the series. We're going to have assignments to rule and reign with Christ. Oh, it's good news that if you're a Christian, you get to be a part of it. You get to come back with Christ and rule and reign. Here's, here's what I want to do. I, I want to close out this message today by preparing you, by giving you just one thing. I'm giving you one assignment, one thing to apply from this message today, one thing to do so that you can get prepared for the rapture and for the second coming of Christ. One thing. Here it goes. This is critical. This is critical. This is key. You're joining me online. This is so key. Here's the one thing. Let the sword cut you now so it doesn't cut you later. I couldn't wait to get to this part of the sermon right now. Let the sword cut you now so that it won't cut you later.
We've already learned that the sword is the word of God. We're going to be judged by God's word. And we can either let God's word cut us now or we can let it cut us later. But friends, letting it cutting, cutting our lives after the second coming, nobody wants to experience that. You don't want God to cut you after the second coming. You want his word to cut you now. And trust me, church, God's word lets us know that everybody's going to be cut. The Bible says that, listen, there's going to be cut, come a day that every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. But oh, let's let that happen now and not later. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse number 12 says this about the word of God, about the sword of the spirit. It says, for the word of God is alive and active. You come on out, worship team. We're going, God's getting ready to do some deep penetrating work right now. Let me tell you about the word of God. The word of God is alive. Did you realize that this book is alive, that this book is inspired, that this book will speak to your mind and speak to your heart and speak to your situations? The Bible says that the word of God is sharper than any double-edged sword. The Word of God is so sharp and penetrates even dividing soul and spirit. The Word of God is so sharp and so accurate, it can divide between your soul and your spirit. It, it, it can divide between joints and marrow. It judges thoughts. It'll cut you in your mind. It judges attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of Him to whom we must give an account. People's church, whether you're in the building or online, what areas of your life do you need God's word to cut you? Let them cut you now. Cut me now, Jesus. Cut it away now, God. Cut away the lying. Cut away the pornography. Cut away the cheating. Cut away the bigotry and racism. Cut away the greed. Lord, cut me now. Cut my mind. Cut my stinking thinking. Cut my heart. Oh, God, let your word, let your word touch me. Lord, let your word, I need you to cut me. Cut me, Lord. Cut away sin. Cut away filthiness. Cut away junk. Cut me, Lord. Come on, God's doing a work all around this place right now. Even in your living room, would you stand with me right now? Come on, somebody call out to the Waymaker. Somebody ask God to cut you now. Somebody ask God to purge you now. Cut my heart. Cut my attitude. Cut away sin. Cut away junk. Cut me now, Lord. Come on, let's sing it. Let's sing it. Let's sing it. Let's sing it. 